Greetings, travelers, and welcome back to Tales from the Enchanted Forest podcast, where we bring you fairy tales, legends, myths, and folklore from worldwide. We are your hosts, Fox and Sparrow. Hiya! It's been a long, wild couple months, but we are slowly coming back together and recording new joint episodes. But before we get started, we have an update regarding social media. We will still be on Twitter and cross-posting on Mastodon. Unfortunately, Threads is unavailable in the European Union, but we'll probably wait a little while before shifting over anyways. So the best place to go for our content is always our website, www.talesfromtheenchantedforest.com. You can subscribe there for notifications when we make a new post. Okay, now that all our housekeeping is taken care of, we can uh, subtly segue into our story for today, which ties into the Barbie movie. And today, for really no particular reason, we'll be looking at Barbie and the 12 Dancing Princesses. Which, I mean, I grew up watching it. I don't think Sparrow did. So Sparrow watched it for the first time for the podcast. So she will also be making some commentary on her experience with Barbie and the 12 Dancing Princesses. Sorry, Barbie in the 12 Dancing Princesses. For the record, I did watch a couple of Barbie movies growing up, but like... They were not as much in my purview, so it was really more of an afterthought. I wasn't in, like, when it was getting real good, I guess, with 12 Dancing... Or was the 12 Dancing Princesses the start of the universe, or is it, like, in the middle? I definitely didn't watch this one when I was younger. It was in the middle, so they got their start with Nutcracker and then Swan Lake, which were the two kind of classical ballet stories that they adapted from the ballets. And then they did, I think, it was Princess and the Popper, which was massive with me and my sister. We used to pretend we were uh, Erica and Annalise, and that was a huge thing for us. Uh, and then I think it went on into Rapunzel. You had The Magic of Pegasus, The Diamond Castle. So all these other ones as well that came up. They're a little bit more original. Mm, yeah, so I'm familiar with the first two, um, but anything past that and now with this one, is all very new to me, and I was very excited to dive into them. For, again, no particular reason. We're, like, really the only ones talking about Barbie right now. We're not late to the party at all. No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I think I chose 12 Dancing Princesses just because it was the one I remembered, like, in my head as the one where it was so different from anything I've ever seen before. It was so unique. It wasn't a ballet. It was an actual story that they pulled from. And Rapunzel was well known, but I hadn't really known the story of the 12 dancing princesses beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, and Princess and the Popper, I just feel like that's a bit more mainstream or more people know about that story. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, I think that one is still one of my favorites, that one and Magic of Pegasus. But I think <laughs> 12 dancing princesses just... It was the first one where I was like, wow, this is an original story. And it wasn't, but young me thought so. It is an original choreography, though. It is quite different from, from others that I've read, even still. Um, you know what? It's very special. And getting to experience like the 12 <laughs> Dancing Princesses story for the first time, but also it being through a Barbie movie, was a very fun experience. Um, and it was a lot of going back and forth afterwards and being like, what was true to the original? What? did this movie do on its own it was a lot of fun and i also i feel like the animation was less cursed than the first two it's i mean when was the last time you watched this movie is the question okay i i did watch it recently um because netflix just got them where i am and i saw it on netflix and i was like oh my god i have to watch these and i was watching it with my husband in the background and he just kept making comments about the cursed (laughs) animation of the children in swan lake of the people's faces in the 12 dancing princesses and in i think it was rapunzel or the princess and the pauper one of them but i will say that the one thing the Barbie movies never got right was the sidekicks. The sidekicks are always cursed. Whatever Oof. like demons they put into these animal sidekicks, I've always hated them with a passion, even as kids. I hated all of them. The monkey, the parrot. Um, I, have I think notes Princess on and the Popper. Well, I think Princess and the Popper, the animals, like the two cats, were very cute. So they, they but they were cute in personality, not cute in animation. They were like mm. nightmare fuel i think <laughs> but yes oh, I, d- I have no i have no nostalgia about the animation given how nice the animation of everything else looks nowadays yeah and 
there are definite movies that are from my childhood as well that the animation is just awful, but I will still go back and enjoy it because the story was fun and it brings me back to a different time. So the animation doesn't always define everything, but it's as technology kind of gets better and as we go forward in time, as one does, uh, it becomes more and more obvious <laughs> where the flaws are in it. And it's just, it's hard to ignore. Um, but, you know, it was still a fun film, animation aside. Uh, it, it was an interesting one. and But you could also tell it was, like, direct-to-video. Like, I do not believe this one yeah. was released in theaters. <laughs> There's a certain no, air... No, I think it was, it was direct-to-video. There's a certain air to movies that were released direct-to-video and knew that's what they were doing. And it doesn't escape that, but it still knows it's here for a fun time. And that's what it did. Okay, so before before we dive too deep into this movie... Uh, let's take a look at the original story first. So this was collected by the Brothers Grimm, specifically Wilhelm Grimm, who got the story from Jenny von Drost Holsoff. And of course, there are many differences to the modified Barbie script. So make sure to listen in. And if you are familiar with the Barbie script, you'll probably notice them right off the bat. And without further ado, here is the story of the worn out shoes or the danced shoes. There was, once upon a time, a king who had twelve beautiful daughters. Each was more beautiful than the last, and the girls shared one large bedchamber. Every night, the king would lock them in their room, but without fail, the next morning, their dance slippers would be worn through. The king finally had enough and declared that any man who could solve the mystery of where they danced at night would be rewarded with a daughter of his choice and would become the heir to the kingdom. The catch was, and of course this is always the catch, that if the suitor failed within three days, they would forfeit their lives. <laughs> it's always the catch. You either get a wife or you die. Yeah, it's the best case scenario or just the worst case scenario. Well, I guess getting married is not the best case scenario for everybody, but you wouldn't take this bet if that's not what you wanted. Probably not for the princesses. I guess so, but it it's like, well, should I go, you know, pursue this courtship with this really uh, nice, like, princess in this kingdom? Or should I go to this kingdom where I will probably die if I don't do this within three days? I don't know. Maybe I'll go to the other kingdom. It's the challenge. It's like the beginning of every YA novel nowadays where it's like, what's the challenge here? Yes. I want what I can't have. I, I criticize it. But that said, I am actually still a very big fan of the you must play this game or do this really weird task or you die like i i complain about the trope but also i know i'm a sucker for it like okay i think it's dumb oh, no, but... I, i'm also a suck like i love when there's like <laughs> severe consequences like your life specifically i think yeah. it was in a court of thorns and roses by sarah j mass mm -hmm. where randomly when she goes under the mountain to like rescue her prince she has to do these tasks and it was just mm -hmm. wild to me that instead of just killing her right off the bat the evil bad guy was like oh it's okay you can just do these three challenges instead for my amusement right it's... and it was amusing yeah i mean if you're a villain and you're really believing that you've got this figured out like why not toy with them of course it's gonna backfire but that's how stories work and it's fun yeah, it's um, not fun if you just kill them right off the bat. But in this case, it's a suitor game, so yeah, there have to be uh, some my... consequences for not completing the task. Okay, but that that is actually not the biggest thing that has bothered me so far in just the story. We've not gone very far in the story at all. But this the, the suitor <laughs> games part is not the thing that's bothering me. The thing that's bothering me is why do all twelve princesses share one room? Like, is this castle just that small where they can't even afford, like, I don't know, two rooms? Like, six per room? Like, that's still a lot, but that's way better than sharing it with your 11 other sisters. Um, or are they, like, using the other rooms for Airbnb? Like, what's happening in this castle? I don't know. I mean, it always struck me as weird that they share a room. Otherwise, this plot doesn't really make sense if they don't share one, because then you would just have to, they'd have to convene somewhere. Um, but even in the movie, it was kind of strange. It's The idea is that they're all really close and sisterly, but I can't imagine the eldest, who also, by the way, if these daughters are getting more beautiful as they're being born, the youngest is probably the most beautiful, and the eldest is probably not the ugliest, but also, you know, the least beautiful of them. So not mm -hmm. only are your sisters being born and they're already better looking than you, but they are young and you have to sleep in the same room as them. So it's like a built-in oh. nanny system. 
Oh, but don't worry. I'm sure the oldest one has a great personality. Um, I'm sure she does. <laughs> <laughs> the controlling yeah. older sister personality. I just, I just think when I, I remember when I turned five, my sister like came to me and was like, you know, Sparrow, because that's definitely how she referred to me. She's like, you know, you, she's like, you probably want your own space. Like, she's like, you're, you probably don't want to like be stuck with your older sister anymore. I'm like, I guess that's true. So I went to my parents and it turned out she tricked me. Like, I actually really wanted to stay with her longer, but she was like, I want out of here. You're way too messy. And she like, like kind of talked them into having another space. Like we kind of like changed like where things were in our house so she could have another room. And I was like, okay, bye. I'm five. And like, I don't know. If by the time she, when I was five, she already wanted to be gone, I'm pretty sure these 12 princesses at some point were like, can I please just have my own space? Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite common for younger siblings to be put in the same room just because they're your natural playmates. Because I remember my husband mm-hmm. and his brother were in the same room for a long time. And then one day my husband just decided he didn't want to be in that room anymore. So he moved all his stuff into a different room, which must have been shocking. <laughs> to the younger brother to just be like oh i guess this isn't our room anymore i guess it's my room since you've moved out i like at least he did like trick his younger brother <laughs> into thinking that this was his <laughs> idea <laughs> and having to do the hard work of convincing the parents even though it wasn't your idea to begin with <laughs> yeah but younger siblings can be really annoying so if it was her idea and she was trying to get it you'd probably cry I'd be like no yeah, i don't I did want cry. to Yes, yeah, so that'd be, but, but it's your idea, technically, so you can't cry. That's made it all the worse. I'm not emotionally scarred and still working through this. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Are you projecting onto the 12 princesses? Is that what's happening? Shush, shush. What happens next in this story? <laughs> <laughs> so many royals came to take on the task, and the king happily received them. At night... They would be sent to the chamber connecting to the princesses so they could watch if the girls left. However, without fail, every suitor fell asleep and awoke the next morning with the same outcome, worn out slippers. Now it came to pass that a poor, wounded soldier found himself heading towards the palace. He came across an old woman who asked him where he was going. The soldier responded that he didn't know, but he had half a mind to discover where the princesses danced and become the next king of the land. He was joking, of course, so he was surprised when the old woman just smiled and said that was an easy task. All he had to do was not drink any wine offered to him and pretend to be asleep in the antechamber. How does this old woman know? I'm going to assume she's a witch because she also proceeds to give him a cloak and tells him that he should throw it to turn invisible and chase after the princesses. They, like, throw it in the air? Like throw the no throw it on like she should throw it on and then chase after them so they can't see him so to throw on the cloak chase after them i feel like we're missing some really good backstory here i get the feeling that this witch has beef with the royal family and i desperately want to know what it is i mean she could also be the witch that enchanted the princes that are dancing underneath but that's jumping ahead Mm-hmm. okay that that would be interesting also why are you asking a random dude, I guess a prince, whatever, uh, to watch your 12 daughters sleep. Like, that sounds so creepy. Well, I mean, it's either a, a prince or some weird random person. Like, the soldier is going to end up being. I, it, I guess maybe weird. that's why he has them killed, because either they live and they've seen the princesses oh. sleep, and that's weird, and so they have to die. Mm, okay, okay. This is actually making more sense now and something i never thought i'd say for an extreme death okay (laughs) i'm game let's go (laughs) the soldier was as wonderstruck as we are and for the first time since his injury he had a plan for the future when he arrived at the palace and declared himself a suitor the king happily received him and led him to the antechamber as night fell the eldest daughter approached with a glass of wine for his troubles Heeding the old woman's advice, the soldier had tied a sponge under his chin, and so he pretended to drink, and then let himself collapse as if in a deep sleep. Upon hearing his snores, the princesses laughed and began pulling out beautiful dresses from their wardrobes. Only the youngest daughter, and the most beautiful, seemed bothered by the fact that they were sending another man to his death. She was sure some misfortune would befall them, but the eldest scolded her. 
After all, they had bested many royal sons. What was one measly soldier? When the princesses were ready, the eldest tapped on her bed and it sunk into the ground. They disappeared down a hidden staircase and the soldiers sprung into action, throwing on the cloak and racing after them. It was darker than expected and he accidentally stepped on the youngest princess's dress. She shrieked and cried out to her sisters, but the eldest rebuked her again for being silly and frightened. Carefully this time, the soldier followed them down to the bottom, where an avenue of silver trees lined the path. The soldier knew no one would believe him, that there were trees made of silver, so he quietly snapped a gleaming silver branch. The youngest heard it and swiveled around. She cried out that something was wrong, there was a noise. But the eldest joked that the crack was just a gunshot for joy at losing their prince, air quotes, so quickly. I'm sorry, a gunshot for joy? Is this a thing? Like the crack of a gunshot. Yeah, people shoot guns in the air to celebrate. It's like a weird tradition in some parts of the world. But then there's someone with a gun out there that you don't know about. <laughs> Isn't that terrifying? Um, I think she, I, I don't think they believe that she actually heard anything. And she's, I think they just think she's being very jumpy. Because if there was actually a gunshot for Joy, I think that would be frightening for all of them. Um, but I think it's just making fun of the youngest sister at this point and saying that she's paranoid. But at what point, like, if you you live with this sister, you share the same room with the sister, either A, this princess is just always paranoid and just happens to be right this time, or B, this is un this is not normal behavior for her. So you guys should be worried. What what's happening in this story? <laughs> Why are the princess? I don't, not- I don't think so. I think it makes sense that they're making fun of her just because it's it's They've done this for years probably at this point or they've done this for ages and it's never been a problem before. So it's kind of like the habit and the routine outweighs Mm. kind of the logic here. Also, I'm not going to say it, but the eldest princess is a bit of a uh, mean-spirited person. She comes across a bit cold and calculating. Well, I think it, some part of it has to be because she is the eldest and she must have shared this room with her youngest sisters, all 11 of them. And yep. then probably also the fact that out of her 11 sisters, she is the least beautiful, which must mm-hmm. hurt in some ways. And of course, mom's dead because it's a fairy tale. So she probably took on a lot of yep. the child rearing and caring. I'm just saying maybe yeah. the eldest is not that nice, but... Her life does sound quite hard. Watch, like, the moral of the story at the end just be, <laughs> yeah, ha- sep- like, have more rooms. Have more places for your daughters to, like, live in. If you're going to have 12 of them, make sure you have space for them. <laughs> <laughs> so the prince comment, or insult, was not lost on the soldier, but he continued quietly following them through an avenue of golden trees and another one of diamond trees. Each time, he took a token, and the youngest warned her sisters, but the eldest joked the concerns away. Finally, the princesses stopped by a great lake, where twelve handsome princes were waiting on twelve little boats. The happy couples began rowing, and the soldier clambered quickly into the youngest boat before it set off. The youngest handsome prince strained with the extra weight. The youngest handsome prince strained with the extra weight, and remarked that he had to work harder to row that day. The youngest princess grew uneasy as she had been all night and answered that it just must be the heat. Underneath his invisibility cloak, the soldier watched as a brightly lit castle came into view and the noise of joyous trumpets played over the lake. They landed and each prince danced with the princess. The soldier danced under his cloak as well, and when the youngest poured herself a glass of wine, the soldier quickly intercepted and slurped it all up. When the princess went to take a drink, she was startled by the empty cup but the eldest silenced her again with more insults. At three in the morning, the princesses had worn down their shoes and were forced to head back. The soldier followed them, but he raced ahead when they reached the stairs so he could lie down on his bed and feign sleep. The princesses warily checked in on him before heading to bed. He decided to wait, and the next night he followed them again, and on the final night he took a cup with him as a token. Finally, on the third night, the king called him to answer. The princesses were listening in, hiding behind a door. The soldier presented the king with three magical twigs and the cup. Then he told the king that his daughters were dancing in an underground castle with twelve princes. The king was shocked, but 
he believed the soldier and summoned the princesses. He asked them if the soldier's wild story was true. Seeing the twigs and the cup lying before their fathers, the girls knew they could not lie, and so one by one they confessed to where they were dancing. Satisfied, the king turned to his new son-in-law and asked which daughter he would take as his wife. The youngest was the most beautiful, but the soldier chose the eldest for his wife. What? Really? <laughs> I mean, maybe something okay. about enemies to lovers here. Uh, I, guess, I guess she also has to be like first in line to like inherit the throne and everything, so maybe there's that. I mean, part of the suitor thing was that you got to inherit the throne anyway, so. Oh. It probably well, wasn't also, going to the princesses. Maybe it's also because, like, if she wasn't so mean to the youngest sis sibling, like, maybe he would have been discovered by her. So he's like, thanks for, you know, not believing her. I'll marry you now. <laughs> I don't know. I like it that he chose the eldest because it's so typical to marry the youngest or the most beautiful. The, yeah, the, I mean, the middle sisters were never up for any competition because they're middle children they're forgotten so it's always going yeah. to either be the eldest or the youngest and i'm kind of glad it's the eldest yeah you know maybe now she can have her own room yeah and, and now i can also believe in my head canon that she's appropriately of age for him with if you married the youngest i would be feeling a little weird not knowing how old she was <laughs> Well, in the story, he does say, he says, you know, I'm not that young myself, so I'll take the eldest from my wife. Um, okay. Oh, I like this And they this do guy. get married that same day. Oh, gosh. Okay. Oh, gosh. Okay. So there's no time for any <laughs> dancing or any trouble. They just get married that same day. Uh, and they're both declared the heirs to the throne following the king's death. What ended up happening with the princes in the magical kingdom is a little bit strange. So depending on the story you read... They were either bewitched for as many days as they danced with the princesses as their punishment for dancing with them in the first place. Uh, mm -hmm. And in some versions, the princes were enchanted to dance and freed once the princesses were gone. Mm. In others still, the princesses were demons and the passage was walled off and destroyed once the secret is out. So it's either they were forced to dance or they were punished as well or they were just demons who were trying to i guess steal the princesses away or something like that interesting but that is the story of the worn out shoes i mean the worn out shoes is one thing but if like you're going back if you're leaving at 3 a.m every night and coming back and assuming like i don't know what time would they get up eight like five hours of sleep these girls are working off a of five hours sleep because that's doable not great but that's a short sleep <laughs> i don't really know what a princess does in this time period or in this story so maybe there's not much they do besides event planning and embroidering so it's probably easy to pretend to just go about your day and rest a whole bunch mm, take a lot of naps maybe eh, i guess that's not too bad all right i was just <laughs> I guess I was just inserting my own work-life schedule and be like, oh my gosh, that'd be awful having to dance till three and then getting up for work. <laughs> yeah, if you're a princess. No, I think they enjoyed fine. the dancing. I don't think the princesses were ever being punished or being forced to dance. I think that was just the princes. So the princesses were doing this out of their own kind of enjoyment. So they were just letting these men die because they're like, yeah, I want to keep dancing. Can't possibly do yep. that with anyone else. But, <laughs> you know... <laughs> We can question their morality, but I think it's just a morally gray thing where they're fine with the mm -hmm. princes dying. Maybe they just hope that if enough princes died, their father would just leave them alone. So that is the original tale. And anyone who has seen Barbie in the 12 Dancing Princesses can tell where the story is the same and where it differs. In the Barbie movie specifically, the princesses are being raised by their widowed father. And he invites his cousin, Duchess Rowena who tries to trap the princesses in the magical world and take over as queen after poisoning the king. Barbie plays the character of Princess Genevieve and works with her sisters and her love interest, the cobbler, who is quite bland, uh, named Derek, to save themselves and free their father. Interesting, Princess Genevieve is the middle child, right? Yes, she is a middle child. So the youngest kids are, I think, actual kids, like they're kind of like they're not toddlers but they're like actual children yeah so it makes a bit more sense that they're the ones who are a little bit more freaked out who are younger who are 
um, being taken care of and raised by their elder sisters. I think at the Barbie line, they would be called Kelly. I think there's like a certain child, like regular child they use. I think her name is Kelly. Well, I think that is Bar, like, because, okay, for anyone who doesn't know about the Barbie movies, in the Barbie movies, it's always Barbie in the, for the original ones. And that's because Barbie is seen as like an actual actor or I guess actress in this case and she plays Mm -hmm. a role in the movies and what I really liked about the original movies is that there was always these little like behind the scenes clips or fake bloopers where the actors air quotes um, of Barbie and the other actors would forget a line or a phone would go off or they would do something Mm -hmm. funny and it was just the the cutest thing Um, but most of the early Barbie movies started with some kind of frame story so barbie would be trying to deliver some kind of message or story to kelly and then she mm. would tell the story and then that's where the story would go on from oh that's so and that's kind of the way that most of the original stories worked i love that i i think that's a really fun little thing to have in your universe and it doesn't really subtract doesn't take away from anything it just kind of adds a little i thought kelly flavor. was annoying <laughs> I thought Kelly was annoying. I mean, sure, that's fine. But, like, I think that's really <laughs> cute because that's also how you'd play with a Barbie, right? Like, you have the doll, mm-hmm. but then you have to make up your own stories. You're kind of holding around. Like, that kind of also leans into that aspect of Barbie. I think that's really cute. Yeah. I mean, okay, now that you've described it like that, I think that's cute. But I remember just thinking as a child that I found Kelly so annoying she just had the weirdest <laughs> problems. And then Barbie would have to take time out of her day to tell her this story about confidence or boldness. And then sometimes they would break the fourth wall and they'd go back to the frame story because Kelly interrupted. Just like, shut up, Kelly. I want to listen to the story. It well. might, it doesn't all, it also doesn't help that the animation of all of the children is always so creepy. Oh, very creepy. <laughs> Because I thought all of the kids, like all the youngest sisters in this movie and in every other movie like Kelly, they always look so weird. It It is a choice, but early animation, we have to... Early animation and going direct to video. This This movie was never set up to be an animated film that, like... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, stood the test of time. So, never having seen this movie before, and obviously you've seen mm-hmm. it now, how did you enjoy it? What were your thoughts? Did you think it, well, I mean, okay, besides the animation, because the animation we've agreed is cursed, but how did you actually enjoy the story and the characters? So I, I enjoyed it for what it was, and that mm-hmm. was a direct-to-video fairy tale <laughs> animation that was made in the early 2000s. Like, I have to put those caveats in. Backhanded comment. <laughs> I, I have... Like, if you were to show me this movie and say, like, give me none of those contexts, I'd be like, it was it was a bit janky. Mm-hmm. It was a bit, you know, uh, like, because, like, it, it's not, like, the most well-written story ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, and some of the, tr- like, and obviously the animation's there. Um, and they go, they, they take breaks in this movie to do dances, which is, I, frankly, I can't think of another movie that wasn't a musical that has that does that where they're like we're just gonna do a ballerina routine no one's gonna talk during it it's not really gonna reflect anything that's going on the character's internal dialogue we're just doing a dance like it was kind of cool but it was weird and different and i i kind of yeah um yeah i think that was the problem with this one is that at least in swan lake and the nutcracker they come from Mm. ballets and yes. they at least kind of like preface like, oh, this is the reason why we're doing the dance. Mm-hmm. But here was just kind of like, we like to dance. We're going to dance now. Yeah. And very specifically like ballerina dances. Like it, it'd be one thing if it was kind of just like a free flowing dance where they're just mm-hmm. kind of more loose. But like ballerina dance, as far as I understand, is very like, ri- like kind of rigid in a way like there's. Actually, I don't know enough about ballerina to really state one way or the other. It just looks hard. Um, it's just an odd choice looks... to randomly break out into ballet. Yeah. yeah like, in Princess and the, the Pauper, one... which is the actual musical, they do dances, but they do like fun dances. They're not doing ballet every two seconds. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, but here are some of my more like nitpicks that I like because as I was watching the movie, I was taking notes, and my first note came like right at the beginning of the movie. And I'm, uh, you said you watched this somewhat recently, like a couple. I did, like in the last year. Like one of the first scenes we see is like a messenger coming who's like inviting the king and his daughters to a ball, but like he he's just like some random messenger and then he just starts dissing the princesses and then he retracts the invitation it's like what the heck dude who do you think you are insulting the princesses and they're retracting your invitation like this is an instance where you should you might want to consider shooting the messenger like what the heck do you remember the scene i do because i remember but to be fair they were really wild I do remember that they were just like he was trying to invite them and then he kept getting interrupted. I do think he doesn't have the authority. Like if I was throwing a party as let's say a queen or something and I sent out messengers, it's not up to the messengers to be like, I retract your invitation actually. You're not invited. You can't sit with us. Um, But to be fair, it was supposed to make the point of look at how ill-behaved they are they dance and they have hobbies and to be fair singular hobbies because everyone just has the one hobby but But still like look at how (laughs) engrossed they are and their single hobby that they do and they're dancing and they're they have no compassion and they're not feminine or womanly but i did like the messenger i like it that he was dissing them yes he set the he set the point but i was just i was wanting to get thrown back into traditional fairy tales where i'm like this guy would be beheaded for this stuff even if he's kind of right like he is not in a position of authority to be saying this um and to but also king. to your point they all have singular hobbies but it feels like midway through the movie they all forget they have hobbies and they're like i just want to dance it's like okay i know you like dancing but i thought you also liked reading and it's like only like the last scene in the movie are like, oh yeah, I forgot. I like to read. I'm going to do that now. <laughs> it's like, what happened? <laughs> so not always the most Yeah, consistent. I just think it's one of those movies where they try too hard to give everyone a personality, but mm-hmm. they didn't do it well. Like, they, they, like, to be fair, you can't really give enough time to every single sister, but they yeah. tried to... They tried to make us care about them, specifically the youngest ones. I didn't care about any of them besides Genevieve. Even Derek. I feel like the characters just all kind of fell flat. Oh, yeah. They were very, very flat. I like the Duchess the most. She had a gripping backstory. She was a woman of action, poisoned the king, locked up the princesses. Yeah. Her monkey, questionable, but the rest of it was great. Yeah, like she was really, she was going out there. She's like, I'm going to get what I want and I'm going to, I'm going to do that. It's like, cool. You've got motivation and drive. I appreciate that. Also, voiced by Catherine O'Hara, which I didn't know. She's from Schitt's Creek and the mom from Home Alone. Oh, dang. No way. Because I was listening to it and I was like, I recognize this voice. Isn't that the most fun thing when you watch something? You're like, this voice, who are you? Where, where have I seen you before? And then you look up their IMDb and then it's like, oh my gosh, you're in everything. Well, obviously as a kid, I didn't recognize her because I was like, oh, this is just a voice actress or something. But I remember watching it recently and I watched Schitt's Creek as it was coming out. So it was one of those things where I was like, wait, I know you. Anyways. <laughs> um, yes. The Duchess. I did like her. Um, but I, I don't know about you. I have never trusted a cousin as much as this king has t- trusted this duchess because they're cousins. It's kind of insane yeah. when you when you think about it. Yeah, I, I think it's just it's so weird. The king is just he's so. It, it might be his animation style, but he looks uh-huh. so weak. If that makes sense. Yeah. His face looks like a weak face. And he has, it's, I think it's his eyebrows. They're like upturned a little bit. And so he constantly looks like he's upset or he's constipated or something. So I didn't, like besides being a father's 12 kids, I didn't really have much love for him, I guess. He just, he also just didn't carry himself like a king. Like you, when you think of a king, you think of someone like walking around very confidently and like someone who's like, has authority even if they're not like wielding it to be be abused or something but they usually have that air of like i am in charge and i'm gonna do the best i can 
whether it's for my mm-hmm. interest or for the actual interest of the kingdom. But he always just looks like he's looks like he's gonna run away and be a coward or something. He's like, I don't know what to do. Cousin, what do you think? <laughs> Cousin, come make my daughters into actual princesses. Oh, yes, I'm sure it's fine. Even though they're complaining to me about how awful you're being to them, I'm sure it's fine. Even though I saw you, you know, make them wear all gray, which is the weirdest thing ever. Is this a book oh, camp? My gosh, yes. So that comes to my next point. <laughs> what the heck is with those outfits? Those outfits were awful. Literally prison garb. She went, let's make this a prison. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was so, it, it, like, why would you think that that was a good idea, King? Like, seeing that, it's like, oh, now they're being, they're being told to dress the same. It's like, but they're princesses. They should be more flamboyant than the other lords and ladies. Like, why do they look so drab? <laughs> And it's not even the gray, because her outfit is all gray, and she looks, she's like wearing all this stuff. But I think it's part of the process of phasing the princesses out with their mm-hmm. bad reputation for having hobbies like croquet, which I've never met anyone who has a hobby as a croquet, just saying. But it's, it's kind of fun. It was part of her evil plan with her evil monkey. Oh my gosh. Are we moving on to the animals now? <laughs> The monkey? Is there a lot to say about them? Because they're so cursed. The parrot with the questionable accent. The evil monkey. I had I had one note that was like, what is up with the cat and the, the monkey? And then another one just screaming. It's like, why is the parrot here? Why? <laughs> it's just so Every random. Every Barbie movie does this. And I wish they would just let it die. I hate the animal sidekicks. I know it's a merchandising thing because they want to sell the plushies and the... Because let's be fair, all of the Barbie movies are about advertising because every Barbie movie came out with the same kind of like merchandise. Like you get the Barbie, you get the, the, you know, the sidekicks, you get the prince, you get whatever like the, that Barbie's big thing was in that movie. So mm-hmm. I get it. Make your money, Matt Mattel, you know, don't pay the taxes on it and make it. But I know they had to have these animal sidekicks so they could sell the merch. I just wish they wouldn't because they were just animated like from by you know how in medieval imagery and like books and stuff it's like the person hasn't seen a cat before or they haven't seen an animal yeah before. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i feel like it's that vibe where you're trying to yeah. understand why these dogs look like they were created by someone who's never seen a dog before mm-hmm. and it's like they don't look right but the other thing is i was tr- like i'm like okay you put them in the movie they are going to have a purpose, at least with some payoff. Like, they have to have some purpose. And I was watching it. The monkey has a very clear role. Like, as much as I don't care for him, he has a very clear role and helps move the plot forward. So in the end, I'm ultimately fine with him because he does that. Other ways, better ways to do that, but he's okay. He kind of informs the queen of what, or the duchess of what's going on and kind of helps her with her evil schemes. Uh, why she has a monkey, it's beyond me. The cat tries to stop the monkey but always fails there's no redemption for this cat as far as i can remember it so the cat is really useless like the cat could just not be there um because it's not even like it goes to the princesses and like it's like i'm so sorry and they're like we love you anyways there's no there's no kinship like that the cat is useless <laughs> i'm a cat person i love cats the cat here useless they should just chuck that one and the parrot adds I'm, what I'm assuming is comedy? Uh, what? Is it comedy? Is it comedy? I don't think so. I guess it's to temper out Derek's weird, bland personality, like his shy boy <gasps> thing, but the parrot is just obnoxious. I remember the parrot being funny. So when I watched it again, I was a little bit like, hmm, these comments aren't really that funny. Like, they're not even witty or anything. They're just stating the obvious in a sarcastic tone. Which I love, but not when it's coming from this mean parrot. And frankly, if they put all of these animals, like they kept the movie the exact same, the only thing they changed was putting actual monkey sounds, cat sounds, and parrot-like sounds to their respective animals, I would probably not be harping on them as much. It's really that the fact they talk and it adds nothing to the plot. That is just so annoying to me. It's like, why are you here? <laughs> Anyways, um, okay, I'm just going to 
quickly rattle off just the last two things that bugged me. Uh, okay. The, the next one was the 8 p.m. bedtime. What the heck? 8 p.m. bedtime. See, this that's is... the problem with all sharing a room. You have to go to bed when the youngest goes yes! to bed. It's just... <laughs> so you have like an 18, yeah. maybe even 20-year-old. I don't know how old Genevieve is, but like they all have to go to bed at 8 p.m., which is wild. If I was the oldest, I would have lost it. I would have run away by then. 8 p.m. is My hobby way too would early. be building carpentry. I'd learn how to build myself a room. <laughs> right? <laughs> Should be learning survival skills. <laughs> um, next point I have. Uh, where is the staff? I wrote that down at the beginning because I never saw any maids, butlers, anyone else. But now that I'm looking at that again, it's probably because of the budget. They didn't have enough budget in this movie <laughs> to show any staff of any sort. But still, did you see the background princess. animation? It was tragic. It was tragic. I wish they at least said everyone's on vacation or something. I would still harp on it, but be less bad. This is, anyways, this is a minor gripe. Um. What else? Oh yeah, can we talk a little bit about the ending of this of the the Barbie movie? It, like, so in the original story, they go to the secret world and they leave of their own accord. So it's fine getting out. In the Barbie movie, they dance their way out. And I don't know about you, but when I watched that, I just started laughing like very so much. I scared my cat. <laughs> um, it's just like they're just dancing in the air in like uh like kind of a clock clockwise i think it's clockwise pattern and just like twirling ballerina the wearing out but we don't actually see them leave we just see them going up elevating and then they're in the real world quote unquote it's like wh- why 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 is dancing the answer to get out of there it's so that the it's so genevieve and derek can have their special moment at the end where they do their big dance i feel like that's the only reason why it doesn't make any other sense otherwise, but it was. I think it was just they could do this little dance. That's right, because that's the only time they dance together. And for some reason, only the two of them need to dance together. Everyone else was fine, just kind of going. Um, when I noticed that it would need to be pairs, I thought they were all going to have to pair off, and then they would just have to leave the youngest because they had an uneven number. And I was like, I want to see that conflict. <laughs> but no, they all just danced their way out. Um, Lastly, the way they solve the Duchess problem, she she makes a wish that the princess will dance forever, and then and then <laughs> Genevieve takes a fan and waves the magic away, and just that that just kind of affects the Duchess now. What Uno reverse sorcery is this? <laughs> So, so I do have an answer to this because I remember when I was writing up this, uh, the script for this, um, the story, I was trying to figure out where I've heard of that before, because I remembered that there was a fairy tale where the bad guy in the end, they have to dance forever. They have to dance till their death or whatever the curse Mm -hmm. was. And they were trying to put that curse on the initial girl. And I think it was Red Shoes where the evil person the evil stepmother whoever it was tried to curse the protagonist into dancing until they die and then somehow they also make it so the curse hits the actual evil person instead so they just brought in another shoe related fairy tale to kind of tie it all up but it's quite morbid i think the the entire wording was they're going to dance till their death yeah it was just it was uh, travelers, if you have not seen this movie and you don't have the you don't have the ninety minutes to spare, I get it. Um, but go watch this one scene. It's so funny. She's just like full on Uno reverses with her fan. It's just like, what's happening here? And I kind of, I kind of love it. <laughs> if we can, we'll try and put it on the show notes so you can see it there. Uh, so those are my other notes. Just thoughts on this film. <laughs> but it was fun. I think we should do this again. Maybe not with any more of the Barbie movies, because to be fair, I think I like the rest of them, but the rest of them are quite straightforward. But we should do this mm. whole movie review thing again, because movies are fun to watch and then criticize. Oh, yes. We could be for a sure. movie review for podcast. Because sure. <laughs> no one has cracked that movie review. Um... Movie review podcast space. Yeah, no one has done that ever. So maybe we should start that. 
get that podcast space. So we have danced our way around this story a lot, but I think now that we're now that this podcast is coming to a close, I think we'll dance our way over to our five fantastic finds. Number one. The reason the king was so suspicious of the princess's nightly activities was because their dancing shoes were worn out each morning. Now, I have never owned a pair of dancing shoes before, but to wear through any type of shoes that quickly just feels alarmingly fast to me. So I decided to look into this myself. Since the Barbie movie depicted the princesses doing a ballet dance, I focused on pointette shoes. And as it turns out, these shoes have very short lifespans. Professional ballet dancers will sometimes only use a pair of pointette shoes for 15 to 20 hours before being worn through completely. While this time may vary, if the princesses are dancing several hours every night, this wear on the shoes would be quickly visible and need to be replaced frequently. So as it turns out, the fairy tale is actually not as far off as we usually think it would be in these types of scenarios. So I'm going to chalk that up for this fairy tale being somewhat accurate, although not completely, of course. Number two. With the Barbie movie making big waves, we knew we wanted to cover one of the stories told in the Barbie movies. So we did a little deep dive into the Barbie cinematic universe, which began in 2001 with Barbie in the Nutcracker. For those of you who aren't aware, Mattel launched an in-house production company and for their first era, they focused on existing stories that gave Barbie a more softer, romantic look. At the time, one of their biggest competitors, the Bratz doll, was more trendy, and so Mattel did a double-barreled approach. They launched the Mycene dolls as their trendy collection, while also softening Barbie on the silver screen with fairy tales and princess stories. Between 2001 and 2009, we had The Nutcracker, Swan Lake, Princess and the Popper, Christmas Carol, and The Three Musketeers. There were also some original stories like Diamond Castle and the Mermaidia and Fairytopia series. Mostly, this was so that Mattel could then offer merchandise that matched up with the movie. So you could have princess sales, plushies, you could do entire books, films, the whole shebang. There were three more Barbie eras, but after 2010, Mattel shifted from princesses to modern day themes like fashion, pop stars, and of course, the Barbie dream house. There was also a big shift that had Barbie not being an actor anymore telling a story, but just being herself. All in all, there are 42 animated Barbie movies, and Barbie has mastered the art of the resurgence, specifically with this new live-action movie, which has taken a new modern approach to the Barbie problem. Number three. This story begins with a mystery. Every night, the princesses were locked in their rooms with seemingly no other means of leaving. Yet every morning, the princess's dancing shoes are worn through as if they've been dancing all night. However, they were never seen coming or going. This is what you would call a locked room mystery. These specific mysteries always revolve around peculiar events that transpire within a locked room. Common examples of this is that a murder takes place in this confined space. Either nobody was in the room, so the death is assumed to be suicide, or there is one other person in the room who becomes the prime suspect. But more often than not, this additional person is being framed in an elaborate way. Now, normally this is when I would list off some examples, but, but then I would be spoiling a bunch of fun mystery stories. So I'll just say that this is a very common trope in a lot of detective stories like Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie novels, and it occurs in just about every mystery show imaginable. This is also a staple trope in the Ace Attorney game series, where many trials begin this way. Number four. As mentioned before, the first two Barbie movies were Nutcracker and Swan Lake, which already had well-known ballet productions around them. However, the 12 dancing princesses needed to create its own ballet choreography from scratch. The credit for the dancing goes to Maria Kurowski from the New York City Ballet. To animate the dance scenes, she was used as a motion capture model in a similar way to how Disney animated the early Cinderella and Snow White movies. There was even an animator specifically in charge of Barbie's hair to make sure it flowed well when dancing. 
It's a shame there was no callback or reference to ballet in the new Barbie movie since the dance scenes were a huge part of the earlier films. However, the Ken dance is a great tribute to Barbie in Princess and the Popper, which was the first Barbie musical. And number 5. Or should I say number 12? The title of this story may be The Twelve Dancing Princesses, but that still seems to be a lot of princesses. Not to mention this number of characters can be difficult to manage from a storytelling perspective. Neither the original story nor the Barbie adaptation could properly give enough character meaning or explanation about each of the princesses. And some variations simplify this by only having six or three princesses instead of twelve. So if the number of sisters could change and the story basically remains the same, it made me wonder if the number 12 itself was significant in another way. And it turns out the number is often used to represent perfection in many religions and mythologies. In Greek mythology, there were 12 titans that were then followed by 12 prime Olympian gods in their pantheon. And we also see in the Norse mythology that Odin has 12 sons. And we can see 12 coming across in many different religions across the world as well. Alternatively, the 12 princesses could be alluding to the 12 months of the year or the lunar rotations in the solar calendar. Perhaps each daughter simply represents different times of the year and thus the passage of time itself, giving a different meaning to when the soldier talks about the different ages of the daughters and who he picks to ultimately marry in the end. Whatever the case may be, it's interesting that the number 12 has stuck around for this story, even when all 12 sisters are not necessary to the story itself. As always, if you want to see the show summary, then subscribe for updates on our website at talesfromtheenchantforest.com. And if you want to hear more from us, join us on Twitter at From Enchanted or on Instagram, Mastodon, or TikTok by our podcast name. For questions, comments, and guest requests, please send us an email to talesfromtheenchantforest at gmail.com. And if you have anything to share, then please don't hesitate. Remember, travelers, if you enjoyed what you heard today and what we do here, then please give us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to this podcast. It helps the podcast grow and reach new travelers to join us on these adventures. And remember, there's always a place for you in the Enchanted Forest.